Thanks for listening to this Grace Point podcast produced by Cave Media and presented by Grace Point Community Church in Decula, Georgia. For more about our church, please visit our website at yourgracepoint.com. That's point spelled with an E on the end, P-O-I-N-T-E. The website again is yourgracepoint.com. That's yourgracepoint.com. Now, here's Pastor Aaron Zielinski. Turn in your Bibles to Titus chapter 2. We're going to get there here in a little bit. But this is going to be a little different than usual. See, normally, you guys know we're, we're working through one particular passage of Scripture. Uh, lately, we've been in Matthew's Gospel, and we've been working through that and drawing everything out of that one passage. But today, being that it's Advent and we're focused on a particular theme, a topic, um, we're going to just be addressing hope and talking through what hope is and how Jesus is coming both 2,000 years ago when he came and what we celebrate on Christmas, as well as our looking towards his second coming, is truly the hope that we have to live in. But Advent, how many of you are familiar with Advent? Has anybody not celebrated Advent before? Anybody never heard of Advent? No clue. At least most of you are familiar with it. That's great. Advent is the season leading up to Christmas, which Christmas is also a season. You guys know that, right? Christmas isn't just one day. How many days are in the Christmas season? Nope. What? How many days of Christmas? Twelve. The twelve. We sing a song about it. It's an annoying song, hard song to get right. Nobody ever remembers what the twelve days are without looking. But that's 12 days of Christmas, but it starts on Christmas. Christmas Day is the first day of the Christmas season. The four weeks leading up to Christmas is the season of Advent. It's the four Sundays prior to. So it kind of differs in length, but it's always those four Sundays leading up to it. Seasons are a wonderful thing. Seasons have shaped the way we as people track time since the beginning. And if you look in in the creation account in Genesis chapter 1, God said that he gave the sun, the moon, and the stars for us to track seasons and times. And every human culture has pretty much been governed by a calendar. I mean, even ancient cultures, the Egyptians had calendars, the Chinese have had calendars for thousands of years, the Mayans, the Aztecs, people have calendars. And they go by an annual cycle, whether it's a lunar calendar or a solar calendar, there's still this year-long repetition of the seasons. We see it with also the seasons of weather, summer, winter, fall, and spring. And so it it should be a, a significant thing that God would give us different seasons to mark time also related to our walk with him. And there's this thing called the church calendar that tracks the church year. And we often don't talk about it in our circles, but but it starts with Advent. Advent is the beginning because you're leading up to Jesus' coming that that kicks off everything. And so it starts with Advent, then we celebrate Christmas, and then there's a day named Epiphany. Anybody ever heard of the, the, the celebration of Epiphany? It's the day they celebrate when the wise men showed up because it was just a little bit after. That's on January 6th, which happens to be the end of the 12 days of Christmas from December 25th to January 6th. Then you move along and we come to the season of Lent. Does anybody know what Lent is? It's the 40 days prior to to Easter. 
where we begin to, to fast and prepare our hearts for Jesus and his death and resurrection that we uh, remember on Good Friday. Then we celebrate the resurrection on Easter Sunday. And then a few weeks after that, we celebrate Pentecost, which is when Jesus ascended to heaven, he poured out the Holy Spirit to us. And then we uh, just focus on making disciples and growing in godliness until we kick off the next year with the beginning of the next cycle with Advent. So Advent, does anybody know what the word Advent means? Coming. It, it's just a Latin word that means coming, and we begin to shape our focus on Jesus' coming. As Pastor Gina mentioned, uh, it, it's so easy in our commercialized culture for us to focus on all the wrong things at Christmas. I mean, you get lights, you've got parades, you've got parties, you've got presents, you've got Frosty, you've got Santa and Rudolph and all the things that go on with Christmas, and, and it becomes so commercialized. We forget what it's all about, except maybe on Christmas morning, we'll take a moment and have a quick prayer and just thanking Jesus, but it's been about other stuff the entire time leading up to it. Advent is a great way for us to, to zero in our focus even now. You know, as soon as Thanksgiving over, everybody's talking about Black Friday shopping. We're talking about it's time to start Advent, right? We're focusing in on Jesus' coming because that's what makes the difference in our life and in human history. So as we do the candle, each week we'll light a different candle as we work our way through. And the, the way we're breaking it down is with the four things of hope, love, joy, and peace. And so each week as we light one more candle and we get closer to Jesus's coming, there's more and more light because as Jesus gets closer, there's more light in the world. And it's, it's not just a symbolic thing, that's a reality. It is a reality that when Jesus comes, the light shows up. And so we're going to do that this year. And today, the, the first thing we're going to focus on is hope. But anytime we start talking about something like hope, I think we have to start with definitions. Anybody like definitions? Yeah, definitions are great. If you don't define your terms, you could be using the same word and talking about two completely different things. Any married people relate? Yeah. You're saying the same word, you both mean something different. Okay, that was, that was one of our big things of, of miscommunication at one point was we we were talking about things using the same terms. We both meant something different, substantially different. So what is hope? We have to start with a biblical understanding of hope. We don't want to use the world's understanding of hope. We don't want to use an ungodly understanding of hope. We don't want to use a cheap version of hope. So what is a biblical understanding of hope? Well, the world's view is kind of just a mere wish. You know, like, I wish I was a millionaire. I wish I could win the lottery. You know, I wish this person would be nice to me. I wish this thing would come through. I, I wish I get that job. I hope I get this job. I hope I do this. I hope that comes through. But what, what we really are meaning when we say it like that is I really don't think this is going to happen, but it would be great if it did. So I'm going to hope for that. You know, I, I hope the Steelers win the Super Bowl, Right? probably not going to happen this year, okay? But I can hope. But there's a difference, okay? Hope, the way we talk about it from a worldly perspective is, I doubt it, but it would be great if it happened. A biblical understanding of hope is very different. 
A biblical view of hope is a confident expectation. I know this is going to happen. I'm just looking forward to the moment that it does. Particularly a confident expectation that Jesus is going to do everything that he said he would do. Concerning our salvation, concerning our redemption, concerning our growth and maturity that he's shaping us into his image, even in this life now. And then obviously the hope that he's going to come back. If he did everything else that he said he was going to do, we can believe with a confident expectation, a hope, that Jesus is going to come again like he said he would. To help really kind of solidify this, I want you to imagine something. Anybody ever like to watch the show, I Shouldn't Be Alive? Gina loves watching I Shouldn't Be Alive, all these different stories. Imagine you're, you're in one of those stories. You've crashed, maybe a plane crashed, or your car ran off the road. It's the middle of winter. You're in the mountains. There's snow, and the sun just went down. You have no cell phone service. You're out of range, or your battery died because you never have it plugged in and charged when you needed it charged. But imagine what that would be like to be alone in the cold, dark, waiting to be rescued. It's, it's cold. You risked frostbite, hypothermia, maybe death. And you're sitting there shivering. You're worried about not just the cold, but also predators. If you're in the mountains, there's, uh, as Pastor Jose likes to say, Yogi might be out there somewhere lurking. Um, but if you're in a real situation like that, it can be a pretty despairing kind of thing. And you're hoping for the sun to come up. You're hoping for daylight, right? That's one of your biggest thoughts is hoping for the sun to rise, for the light to come, for the warmth that comes with it. But you're not hoping for the sun to come up as if it might not. You, know, you don't have any doubts that the sun's going to come up. You're just hoping for it to get there soon. Right? It's not a, I hope the sun comes up because maybe it won't. You know it will, but your hope is in what you know is going to happen because you know it's going to happen. That's what gives you the hope, the anticipation, the excitement, the joy is knowing this is going to happen. You're just waiting for it. The same is true for us. As followers of Jesus, we have such a confident expectation in Jesus it's not a matter of if he's going to do it. It's just a matter of when and how and what it's going to look like when it all plays out. That's the hope that we have in Jesus. It's, it's a confident expectation that Jesus is going to do it. But what is he going to do? Right, we have to get to that point. What, what is our hope in Jesus? But why do we need hope in Jesus? You know, you were hoping for the sun to come up in our little example there because you were in a bad situation. Your, your car wrecked, you're off the road, it's dark, it's cold, it's freezing, you could die, and, and you have no way of communicating, so you've got to wait till daylight to do it. So you're just hoping for that. Well, what about us? Why do we need hope? Why do we need the sun to come up? Because it was dark and freezing. Right? If you were warm and comfy, you, you're not really that concerned about the sun coming up. Okay? If you were sitting in your car and the, the battery was still working and you could turn the heat on, you could run things, uh, you're, you're good. You're not as concerned. Well, why do we need Jesus? What's our hope in him for this life? What's our hope in him for the next life? Because sometimes we, 
We all overemphasize one or the other, but we need Jesus. So if we go back to creation once again, it started with God bringing light into the darkness. That's what he did. The first thing God does is he brings light. And it's that same picture. There's a cold, dark emptiness, a sort of a chaotic nothingness, and God brings light bursting onto the scene. And he begins to, to organize and order his creation and, and set it up the way he wants it to be. And the crowning achievement, what is the crowning achievement of God's creation? People. Human beings. You. You are the pinnacle of God's creative activity. Truly. We look at, at landscapes, we look at a mountain range, and we look at a sunrise and a sunset, and we say, wow. Look at God. He's so amazing that he can do that. And we are so caught up in the wrong thing. Look at yourself in the mirror and think, wow, look at what God has made. A sunrise can't see, can't hear, can't think, can't feel, can't touch. It's just there to be looked at. And it's beautiful. But nothing in all of creation compares to human beings. This is, you are the most amazing thing God ever created. That, you know that? That's truth. That's what we see in scripture. After he created Adam and Eve, he said everything is very good and he was done. Nothing else. That was his mic drop moment right there. But it didn't stay that way. Because Adam and Eve rebelled against God and chose to do their own thing rather than God's thing, we became separated from God. And as we were created to live in loving, interactive relationship with our creator, we were created to live in loving, interactive relationship with one another, all of that was wrecked and ruined because of sinfulness. And so now every human being, rather than being born in this amazing, loving relationship with God and with one another, we're born into a sinful condition, separated from God because of that, spiritually dead, no life with God, and, and separated and wrecked from one another. And that's true. I mean, just think through life and relationships and friendships. And I guarantee you, as you think through your life, there are a lot more relationships with problems than without problems. Big or small, close to you or just an acquaintance, relationships struggle because of sin. And we're all born into that life of sin and darkness. As humans, we're not inherently good. Our world thinks that. They think people are generally good. And if we just help them out a little bit, they'll stay on the right track. Look through human history. Okay, look at the genocide that happens. Look at the, the slavery in our own country. Look at the, the, the mass executions of things like Hitler and Stalin Look at, to bring it really home, look at the, the sex trafficking that's truly a global multi-billion dollar industry all over the world. Humanity is not basically good with a few bad apples. Humanity is essentially rotten to the core because of sin and our separation from God. And we don't like to admit that because we don't like to think that that may have been true of us or is true of us. But when you look at the world scene, it's there. It's all there. Even babies are affected by sin. 
Sin, death is a result of sin. Babies die. It's tragic. It's one of the most heartbreaking things in all of life. But it happens because even there, sin is at work. You see children when they're toddlers, we, if you've ever had kids, you, you can relate to this. If you've been around kids, you can relate to this. Do you have to teach a toddler to tell the truth? Yes. Do you have to teach a toddler to lie? Nope. They can do that all by themselves. As soon as they're old enough to get caught doing something, they say, nope, wasn't me. Did you do that? No, I didn't do that. You didn't hit your brother? Nope. Why is he crying? Mm-hmm. Just started it. Sure. Do you have to teach toddlers to share? Yeah. Do you have to teach them to be selfish? Nope. They can do that on their own. You don't believe me? Bring another toddler in there and let them pick up one of their toys. Snatch that thing right away. Say, mine. Because that's what they do. That's what kids do. And we have to teach them and train them to be godly to do good because we're, we're bent. We just naturally, you leave a kid to their own devices. That's the way we all go. And it's not just some theoretical thing. We're, we're lost and in true darkness. This is what Jesus came for. Look at Colossians chapter one. It says, he delivered us from the domain of darkness and transferred us to the kingdom of his beloved son. Peter says the same. He says, you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his own possession that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. We naturally live in such a place that is dark, that is in despair, that is void and of and longing for hope. And we don't have to do anything to get there. We just have to be. I mean, think about your life because this isn't just a theoretical darkness, this is real. Think about your life prior to Christ, if you're a believer. If you're, if you're not in Christ, just think about your life. Think about what really goes through your mind when you're alone. When, there's not, when there, the TV's not on, when the music's not on, when it's just you and your thoughts, what is really going on in your heart? What fears are there? Because there's fear. What doubts? What anxiety, what despair, what insecurities are wrecking havoc inside? Because those things are there. We live in those things. If you're married, what's, what's the frustrations in your marriage? Because they're there. With children, what are your frustrations with your children, with your siblings? They're there. there there's darkness all around and it's naturally there. We can't help but live in that. Even if you're in Christ, think about areas that you still need Jesus to touch in your life. They're there. We have them. That is the situation that we live in, and we live there very naturally. And that's why we need the hope that there is in Jesus, because he can change everything. And he does change everything. That's what Jesus does. He brings light to the darkness. So what is our hope in Jesus? 
What is that hope? We know what a hope is, and we know that we need hope. Humans need hope. You and I need hope. In Christ, there's hope for humanity. There's hope for you. There is hope for you. Whatever the situation is that is plaguing you, there is hope for you in Jesus. And it's not just a superficial, churchy, oh, there's hope in Jesus, brother. No, there's real substantial hope for you in him. It's real. You can live it. You can live it now. You don't have to wait till you die and go to heaven. There is hope for you to live as God intended for you to live. You can live in loving relationship with God now. You can live in loving, interactive relationships with one another. Your marriage can be at peace. Your relationship with your children and with your siblings can be at peace. Your relationship with your neighbors, with your coworkers, with your manager, with your employees can be loving, genuinely loving. Not just how we like to say, I love them, but we really aren't interested in their life. No, there can be real, deep, meaningful love there. Jesus is our hope. And he wants to bring God's intentions for your life to reality now. Okay, please hear me in this. You don't have to wait till you die and get to heaven. Okay, that's not what Christianity is about. It's not about dying and getting to heaven. It's about being in loving relationship with God and with other people. And that doesn't, that doesn't start when you die. It starts now. Jesus said eternal life is knowing him. He said, this is eternal life, knowing Jesus Christ, whom the Father has sent. So if you know Jesus and you're in, in a, a loving relationship with Jesus, you're living eternal life now. It's not just a quantity of life that goes on forever. It's a quality of life that we experience and we live now. Again, think about the, the dark situation of life apart from Christ. Now think about the opposite. Think about the things we're going to be talking about with Advent. Think about a life filled with hope. Could you imagine that you're just daily in a state of hopefulness, anticipation? Imagine a life filled with love, genuine love. You, you, you are genuinely loving those around you and you're genuinely being loved. Imagine the person you have the hardest relationship with right now. Now imagine them loving you and what that feeling would be like. Imagine having a life that every day you were just filled with joy. The kind of person that everybody, when you walk in the room, they say, oh, why are you so happy all the time? Because you're just filled with the joy of the Lord. Imagine a life that is truly filled with peace. I mean, you're just at peace. You're content. You're satisfied. Mentally, you're at peace physically. Your heart is at peace. You're not anxious and worrying. You're not stressful, doubting, concerned, anxious and turmoil and despair. You're just at peace. That'd be a great life, wouldn't it? That's what Jesus is offering you now. You can really live that kind of life now. You don't have to wait till you die and get to heaven. You can live, and we have the hope in Jesus that we can live in hope, love, joy, and peace now in him. That's why Jesus came as the light of the world. You remember what we saw in Matthew the other day, Matthew chapter four. He says that when Jesus went to this new area of Galilee, it says those dwelling in darkness have seen a great light. 
Well, that's what it is for Jesus to come into your life. That's what it was for Jesus to come into the world that we're gonna celebrate on Christmas. He brought the hope of life and light to those that were in death and darkness. And it's a real hope. And we see it even more powerfully in John chapter one. John says, in him, that's Jesus, was life. And the life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness and the darkness has not overcome it. The darkness can't overcome it. The true light, which gives light to everyone, was coming into the world. As we're approaching Christmas, the true light that gives light and life to everyone is what we're celebrating. It's not just a baby in the manger. It's the hope of life being the way God intended it to be. And that is a hope that we can live out. That's why we celebrate his first coming. The first time Jesus came, he came to deal with sin and make life with God a reality, a real possibility. Not the, I hope I win the lottery. No, it's the, I hope the sun comes up tomorrow. I know it's going to, but I need its warmth. I need its light. He brings that to us. When Jesus came in the flesh, something we call the incarnation. Jesus was enfleshed. God took on flesh, a body. That is the greatest miracle in all of human history. Because a miracle, if you think about it, is God intervening in, in our life and making something happen that doesn't normally happen on its own. Right? He interferes with the way things naturally happen. Well, God can't interfere with the creation much more than just stepping into it himself. And that's what he did. To change what would naturally happen to you and I, we would naturally die in our sin and be separated from him forever. But he changed that by coming in the flesh himself and dealing with it. And in Jesus, you can live that. Let that be your hope. If you're in Christ, let that be your hope to fully live in the, the life that he came for us to have. You know, Jesus said, I've come that you may have life and have it to the fullest or have life more abundantly. And he wasn't meaning the life in heaven after you die. He's meaning now you can live the fullness of life now. You can live in hope. You can live in joy. You can live in love. You can live in peace. You can live in Jesus. He's our hope. But there's still a greater hope that he's going to come again. Because even as we live this life with joy and peace and love, we still wrestle with sin, with selfishness, with, with greed, with pride, with all these things, relational struggles. All of those things are still at war with us and it's a constant fight to live in that state of peace with Jesus. But when Jesus comes back, he's going to deal with all of it. It's all gone. He's going to eliminate every source of sin, of frustration to his plans, no darkness, no evil, no chaos, no, no stress, no turmoil, no despair. It's all gone when Jesus comes back. That's why that's our blessed hope. As Pastor Kyra read this morning, that is our blessed hope that Jesus is coming again to deal with it all. And he will come and deal with all of it. Look at this again. This is what she read this morning as they lit the, the Advent candle in Titus 2, 11 through 13. This, this ties in everything. It ties in Jesus' first coming and how we should respond to that and then why it's the hope of his second coming. He says, the grace of God has appeared, 
bringing salvation for all people. That's what Jesus did the first time. Training us to renounce ungodliness and worldly passions and to live self-controlled, upright, and godly lives in the present age. That's how we respond to Jesus' coming. Okay, he came to bring salvation for all people. And it's training us. In Christ, we are being trained. Think about an athlete training. Think about the military training. This is what we're doing. We should be training and are being trained to renounce ungodliness and worldly passions and live self-controlled, upright, godly lives in the present age. That means now. Waiting for our blessed hope. The appearing of the glory of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ. That's our hope. And remember, this isn't just wishful thinking. This isn't, well, I, I don't think Jesus is really going to come, but maybe he will, and that'd be awesome. No. This is a sure hope. This is a confident expectation. Jesus is coming again. And he's nearer now than he ever has been. That is our confident expectation. Because Jesus, in his person, himself, he is our hope. Thanks for listening to this Grace Point podcast produced by Cave Media and presented by Grace Point Community Church in Decula, Georgia. For more about our church, the website again is yourgracepoint.com. That's yourgracepoint.com. Until next time, God bless you.